take your notebook, if you would open it up, uh, I want to just kind of walk through what we're going to be doing. Inside the notebook you'll find there are introductory class materials, then there's worksheets. Some of you are familiar, but it's been a whole year, so some of you might have forgotten um, how we do this. And then there's lecture notes. And so every class period, I'll be doing some lecture and I'll be getting you, helping you work through the worksheets to prepare a message. So there's a table of contents at the beginning that'll kind of walk you through what to expect uh, or where to find things in the class if you're looking for it. All right, let's look at the syllabus together. The syllabus uh, is uh, right there in your, in your book. The title of the class, obviously, is Preaching and Teaching the Bible. I call it Preaching and Teaching because really the focus is on preaching the Bible, but because we have some of our ladies here, we also want them to be equipped to teach the Bible. It's a little bit different, but it's very similar uh, uh, in, in the prep process uh, moving forward. Uh, the book is um, Preaching with Purpose by Jay Adams. Um, it's about 14 bucks brand new, or give or take, but about $7 used. I was able to get several copies uh, used. So if you'd like to buy one from the church, they're $7. Just put it in the offering plate. Or if you want to purchase your digital copy, I have a Kindle version myself. That's fine. It's the same. But uh, you'll be doing some reading uh, in the book. Course description is that this course teaches the philosophy and the practice of biblical preaching and teaching with the goal of equipping students to, one, select a passage for teaching, two, study the passage appropriately, and three, preach or teach the passage in a way that's faithful to the text. So there's three parts that I want you guys to be able to come away with. This is a, how do I start with nothing except the text and come away with a lesson kind of a class? How do I... If someone said, can you, can you teach a class on Psalm 23? Could you do it? You know, could you teach a class on Luke chapter 4? Could you do it? And so this goal of this is to, is to have you equipped to at least have a pattern of steps you can follow so you could teach or preach from, from a passage of Scripture. So the objectives, you'll see there are seven I've listed here. There might be more, but number one, student will gain familiarity with the biblical philosophy of study and preaching. I'm going to spend a lot of time, some today, and maybe some next time, talking about philosophy of this. And I, I please bear with me. I know a lot of this material might be review, but some of it might not be. Uh, some of you who took this class last semester will be familiar with some of the stuff I'm going to say. But uh, it's still, I think, important to, to review this stuff. I get excited every time I talk about this stuff. So, I mean, I, if, it, it, it excites me, and I hope it excites you. Number two, the student will be able to articulate the differences between the distinct segments of Bible study. There are different, I call them segments, but different phases, you might call it, different parts of Bible study. There are observation, interpretation, and application. I want you to be able to articulate what separates the three different phases of Bible study. Number three, the student will be able to explain the primary features of expository preaching. You should know what expository preaching is. Number four, the student will be capable of creating and presenting a Bible sermon or lesson from the text. Number five, the student will demonstrate proficiency in block diagramming and outlining. And uh, number six, the student will be able to engage in basic exegesis of a biblical text. You might say, I don't know what that means. That's okay. We'll get there. Students should understand the difference between drawing out from a text and reading into the text. And number seven, the student will be capable of using Bible study tools in a proficient manner. It's not... Essential that the student is an expert on Bible study tools. Rather, she or he should know where to find and how to use these tools. So I want to kind of, ex you didn't even get into this very much last time, but I want to be able to open the door to you guys to show you how, how would you find an answer? Where would you look to find a Bible answer? Would you just Google it? 
That's very dangerous. You'll come across all kinds of bizarre, you have no idea who wrote the stuff you see on the internet. And I'm telling you, as a person who uses Google and Wikipedia, it's not always accurate. So you want to be careful. How do you use Bible study tools? Any questions on the description or objective so far? All right. Course method, uh, we're going to be taught once a week. And we'll have some in-class exercises. We'll have some discussion and as well as some lectures that I'll be teaching. Uh, I'll give you some outside reading assigned. It should be read carefully before class. So you'll notice in the assignments uh, that I'll, I'll expect you to have read the material before you come in because I'll give you a little quiz just to kind of check how you're doing on your reading comprehension. They're not hard, those of you who've taken my quizzes before. No, generally, if you've read the material, you'll get four out of five right, five out of five probably, maybe even the bonus question if you're paying really close attention. So, so the reading is, the, qu the quiz will test the student's understanding of the material not covered in class. So I'm not going to cover everything in class. In fact, the book that I'm assigning you is not a book that I subscribe to 100%. It's a helpful book. And also it's small. And it's not like the other books I could have given you on preaching were, were thick. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to overwhelm you. I wanted to give you something attainable, uh, achievable, and um, something that would... would um, uh, not be overwhelming to you. Class quizzes may be given as an opportunity to evaluate understanding of in-class material, but most likely it's out-of-class material. Number five, outside work includes production of a semester-long Bible lesson or sermon, so students should uh, work to follow the pace set by the semester schedule in order to succeed in this project. If you plan to just do it the night before, it won't, it won't turn out well. So work with me here and just, just keep up. Policy on late work, so I'm, a late work will only be accepted up to one week after the due date. It'll incur a 5% penalty per day. Number two, quizzes cannot be made up. This is just standard stuff I put in all my, all my classes. Number three, any absence should be pre-approved. So unapproved absences will result in a doc to your class participation grade. Um, I, I, I build in a uh, class participation grade, which I'll show you in a minute, which basically helps pad your grade. I'm all about padding your grade. I'm all about making it easy to score well. If you follow directions and kind of just do the stuff, it'll do great. I want you to succeed. I'm not a mean person, and I'm not uh, a terrible, terrible grader. However, it's you're only as much work as you put into it, you'll get out of it. For further study, I, I listed a bunch of books here. I think I put it in your um, material as well. Uh, let me just check here. Yeah, there's a bunch of books here. Uh, these books are probably not books that you necessarily uh, go out. I would, I'm not saying go out and buy these books. I have all these books, and I've read most of them. I haven't read all of every single book. But they're good. Um, so if you're looking for a book on something, like say you're preaching uh, a parable and you want something on parables, you might go and say, well, look, there's this, there's this book on parables called Stories with Intent by Klein Snodgrass. That's a great book because it's on Pastor Marshall's list. So I've got, you know, maybe I go out and buy that book. It's, you know, or, or you say I want to preach an Old Testament text, you may buy Joe Lenaris's book. Who I've met him. He's a great guy. Um, and on proclaiming God's stories. Uh, so you might want to do that. It's not necessary. It's not required. But these are just really good books. And as you build your library, if you'd like to build a library on Bible preaching and teaching, understanding the scripture, uh, this is a good place uh, to go. All these books I, have, uh, I approve of. Very bottom of that page, you'll notice it says, for a concise commentary, I recommend the very affordable Bible knowledge commentary set. So if you don't have any commentaries in your house, uh, I would recommend uh, buying this. And then also a new Bible dictionary. I think that you could probably buy Bible knowledge commentary for 
I don't know, $40, $40 maybe $50. It's two volumes, maybe, maybe less than that, I don't know. And the New Bible Dictionary is normally about $35 or so. And between that, you, you, are, you are, have most of your stuff where if you have reading the Bible and you come across a thing about a people group or a region, you want to know more about it, you can, you can find what you need to find. And it's trustworthy. So you're not, you're not throwing the dice or rolling the dice by going on Wikipedia or Google. Any questions before we go into our schedule? Okay. First day of class is today, the 13th. The last day of class will be the end of uh, April, 428. You'll notice our schedule uh, is probably going to stay this way. Uh, if it changes, I will uh, let you know. But you'll notice like today, the date, 113. There's no quiz today. Congratulations. But today we're going to cover the syllabus class schedule, class requirements, and I'll get into the philosophy of preaching and study. There is no reading assignment due today, obviously, and there's no study assignment due today. But if you notice next week, I want you to turn in your scripture selection. The scripture selection is what you'll be preaching on or teaching on. And I want you to have a scripture memory verse, 2 Timothy 4.2. Know that for memory. Also, the assignment for reading is there are two articles which are included in your packet, in your, in your thing at the very, uh, in, in, I think it's tab four. Two articles that I found to be very helpful about preaching. One is by John MacArthur called A Famine of, God's, of the Word of God, and it was published in Decision Magazine, October 2019. Very, very good. And the other one is by Mark Minnick. Uh, it's a, titled Preaching, or per, what's it called? Something through personality. Truth through personality, something like that? Truth through personality. Yeah. Are they both in there? They sh- should be both in tab four. Are they, you missing one? It's behind I just didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that was the... Yeah, one's, one, is, uh, one was an internet article I, I downloaded and, and printed. The other one is uh, a photocopy of Decision Magazine. So um, y'all, will, y'all will take note of those two. We'll just discuss those a little bit next week, some of the key ideas. Just be familiar with what the arguments are and what the points even if you read these articles, please read them again. And then you'll notice on the right, it says, study assignment due. Select a passage of scripture that will serve as your text for study this semester. You will build your assignments off this text. So that's really your only assignment, your study assignment that's due. How long does the um, passage have to be? Well, um, the princi- the, what I would suggest is that you start with a larger portion and we can cut it down. So it depends. Like a chapter, if you're dealing with the Old Testament, like if you're doing Genesis 22 you would do the entire chapter. If you're doing Ephesians 1, you would not do the entire chapter. Um, or Romans 8, because you couldn't do the entire chapter. You couldn't preach the entire chapter. I mean, that, that is a monstrous responsibility. <laughs> you would do a section, you do a, a paragraph or something. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you should probably have, yeah, Pat? Our reading assignment says to read Adams 1 and two, chapters 1 and 2 also. Correct, yeah, I didn't get to that. I, I missed oh, that. Okay. No, you're, you, thanks for pointing that out. I just skipped right over it. Adams, when you see Adams, that's the, the preaching through per, preaching with purpose book. And uh, just read chapters one and two. So that's not pages one and two. That's chapters one and two. So, yeah, Derek was like, all right, I can handle this. 
All right, so do you understand how I run this schedule, how that looks, what, what I do? So the class material is kind of more for me than for you. It's like to keep me on task for what I'm planning to teach. And the reading assignments for you, that's due that day. So as I mentioned, the articles are due next week and one and two. It's a lot of reading the first week, but it's, it's, it's not the quiz. Is, uh, there's no quiz on the reading. It's just discussion. The only real assignment is a scripture memory. Do you do okay. There will be a quiz for the scripture memory, yeah. It'll just be it just be write it out, yeah. I'll just give you a piece of paper that says Second Timothy four two and there's a bunch of lines and you just put the words down. In Greek or I prefer it in, in Greek if you can. That would be amazing. Uh, Latin, Greek. Oh no, no. It could be um, you might get a bonus if you do it in Greek. So I would say this, if, if you are doing, other than, say, other than New King James, like if you're doing ESV or New American Standard or King James or something like that, if you could, if you could write it out, and this is the only real scripture memory I think we have, right? Just this one. Um, it, it's not that big of a deal, just as long as the person who's going to grade it can check it. So bring the Bible with you. Don't be like, well, you have to trust me. This is what that translation says, you know, and you don't have a way of checking it. Does that make sense? Yes. So um, that's helpful for people who are... Okay, let's talk about the project. Turn a page. Um, you'll notice you can, there's a couple breaks. We have two weeks back-to-back, 4-7 and 4-14. Spring break and evangelistic services. And um, the last couple weeks are kind of odds and ends. We'll see what that looks like uh, as we get there. Um, Project guidelines, your semester project will be an expository sermon or a lesson based on a biblical text of your choosing. You will turn in segments of your project along the way. If, you work in, if your work is handwritten, I can make a copy or scan it here at church so you don't have to wait on me to get it back to you when I look at it. That's the best way to do it because I don't want to hold on to your originals. If it's, if it's typewritten or if it's on your computer, just print me a copy when you come in. You can also email it, but I prefer it print it because I'm just going to print it anyway to look at it. Um, I like to work on paper. Please do not get behind on schedule on your assignments. So your final sermon will be five to nine pages. You might see, feel like that sounds like a lot, but by the time we get there, it's not going to be a lot. I mean, that, that will easily come out, I, I hope. Uh, your final sermon will be these uh, complete with proper exegesis, proper homiletical form, outline format with proper bullet style or manuscript notes. You'll have three parts to each point, explanation, illustration, application, introduction, conclusion, transitions. All that will be included. It doesn't have to be uh, manuscripted like, like as if word for word, like what you're saying. I'll give, you a, I, I'll give you one of my sermons if you want to look at it to see kind of what it looks like. I, I don't always do that, but I'd be glad to just to, as we get closer to it so you can kind of get, a, get an idea of what we'll be dealing with. Also, the, one of the assignments here, uh, see here. If you look, study assignment, read the passage once every day. This is coming up on 127. And keep a reading journal of the date and time of each time you read it. I want you to keep a reading journal of when you read that passage. Just so you're reminding yourself to read that passage over and over and over again. And then the context also before and after the text. At least one chapter before and one chapter after at least two times. Mark this in your reading journal. You don't have to use what I give you here. I just need something like this. Like if you want to give it to me on a piece, on a note, note card or on a printout or on a piece of notebook paper. Are we going to turn it into you? Yes. So you shouldn't do it on this one because then we have to turn it into you. 
Well, yeah, you would have to turn in a piece of your project, which just doesn't make sense, right? So definitely a good point. But uh, you'll notice anything that has the little box on it is something you turn in on the, on the assignment sheet. But you probably could make a copy of this. Then... You could, yeah. Really, it's, I mean, it's, I just threw this together. Like, this isn't, you could, easily, you could do something probably fancier with, with colors and with highlighters or whatever you wanted to do with crayons if you really, really want to. All right, so you say uh, five to nine page paper. So what's, that, what's the format of that five to nine page paper? Well, it is a 12 point serif or sans serif font. So I give you some options for fonts you can use there. No other fonts allowed, please. So for reference, I think I gave you guys Times New Roman is what I'm, yeah, 12 point Times New Roman. Double-spaced or single-spaced? Ah. Uh, man, I didn't think about spacing. I guess single-space to space and a half max. We don't want to double-space. Five, five pages, you're not going to be able to. I need to put that in my notes here. Let's say single-space for right now. Because five double-spaced. Yeah. I really don't think space is going to be an issue. I really don't. As long as you use... Um, as long as you follow the process, I think you'll easily have a 15-minute, uh, maybe longer lesson, maybe to 30 minutes or 45 minutes max, probably not more than 30 minutes, and that's probably about five to nine pages, is my guess. But yeah, let's do single space. I don't know why I didn't put that in. Please include a title sheet, including your name, course name, and title. Follow standard writing guidelines. You may use online resources for your work. Just make sure you cite them. Please do not plagiarize in your paper. I say that really loudly. Please do not plagiarize in your paper. Any quotes should be cited properly with attribution, either Turabian footnote or MLA style. Please, 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 please do not plagiarize. I've had students in this class, not in this class, but in classes I've taught, turning papers that were plagiarized. And it's like, wow, the student is really smart. Also, this sounds very familiar. And I go and I look online, I Google their paper, and it comes up, and somebody, they just copied a, they copied a blog article on a review or something. Please don't do that. That's really disappointing because it's just lazy, and it's, it's theft, and people uh, normally get fired from their jobs for these kinds of things. Um, unfortunately, it's become less and less a problem. <laughs> um, Never mind, I'll stop right there. But uh, there, are, there are people in high places who have been accused of plagiarizing. If you're, if you're a politician, you can get away with it. <laughs> because it happens all the time. But do not do it if you're a student in my class. Thank you. Um, the grading rubric is as follows. Reading quizzes, 25%. Reading journal, 25%. You see that? I give you 25% for reading your thing, for doing your reading journal. So I'm padding your grade. I'm in the business of padding grades here. Sermon project, 40%. Class participation, 10%. I do a 10-point grading scale, A through F. And all assignments are due at the beginning of the class period. So when we come in, what I'll typically do is I'll have some sort of tray or box or something, and you, you turn it in right away on the table. So then it'll come to me, and I'll take a look at it. I might even discuss it. But I might hand it back, but I want to make sure that you're not doing it in class and, not, and missing what we're talking about. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, on the next page, it does say double space. I know it does, doesn't it? I mean, I'm fine. Well, okay. So some of this is copied and pasted from a um, from my other from my other work. It's not plagiarism if I plagiarize myself. It's copy and paste. 
so um, when I when I had people write a paper for my hermeneutics class, I had them do double space. I get you know. I'm not going to be picky. If you want to do double space, you can do double space. If you want to do single space, you can do single space. I don't really care. Five to nine pages is still five to nine pages. If you double space five pages, it's just your content be, you know, should be good. And it's really I'm more concerned about your content. Plus, let me just tell you the truth. I, I do grade you also with how I think you're capable of performing. Okay. So we have people in here who are professionals. We have people in here who are college graduates. We have people in here who are high school students. So I'm not going to expect you guys in the ninth and 10th grade to be able to write a paper on the same level as Derek and Christy, who graduated college and are brilliant people. Okay. So the, all I'm saying is, is that you should not, if you feel like I've been unfair to you in any way, just come talk to me. I'm not, I, I really am not going to be mean to you. I'm, I really would love to hear it. I'm sorry I was mean to you, Cadence. I apologize. I'll apologize again. I won't do that again. But um, in general, like if you're like, I really think that I really think that I, I, I did a better job than what you gave me credit for here. I'll, I'll hear I'll hear your argument. Let me put it that way. Give me a good argument. Uh, if you'll notice the paper, uh, the way I like to do papers, it's going to be a little different because actually we're doing a sermon, so we're doing outlines, not really papers. But um, in general, that's the structure. Okay. Any questions so far? Okay. We talk about the worksheets and then we'll get into lecturing. Uh, the worksheets here, you'll notice there's order of preparation right at the top. Uh, the sermon should be prepared in a specific order, each step building on the previous. This preparation process will be much more helpful if you make an effort not to skip steps or prepare items out of order. If followed correctly, this will reduce or eliminate rewriting or reworking sermons, causing frustrations or losing precious time. I have been in situations where I have gotten very, I have been working on a message, gotten about halfway through it, and had to just ditch the whole thing because I realized my exegesis was wrong. That is my, my study. I had thought I understood something, and I built a message around it, and then I get to a point halfway through the week when I realize, uh-oh, I made a mistake, and it's not what it's saying. So I have to make a decision. Do I just say, well... It's close enough, or do I trash it and start over? And I've had to trash it a couple times and start over. And it's better if you make sure you study before you start writing. So you, you'll read a passage and be tempted to be like, oh, I know what I'm going to introduce with. Don't do it. Okay? Start with your study and then do it like here, like the process. And notice the last thing on the list, number eight. What's the last thing on our, on our process list? Introductions, conclusions, and transitions. Okay? You're not going to do an introduction, probably, until you're done with everything else. So, Because there's a lot of reasons for that. We'll get into that in a minute. But all I'm saying is, is that trust me on this. I'll be a little bit rigid in the process. And the, the, the fact that we're rigid does not mean that that's how I always do it. Because sometimes when you've done it a long time, you can like bend the rules a little bit. You can things blend together. I'll be doing parts of them at the same time. But in general, what I'm talking about here, the, the outline I give you, a pro process, a preparation, is very, very similar to what we do every week, or what I do every week when I prepare a message. So I'm just kind of just saying, hey, this is what I do. Take it or leave it. It could be helpful. It might be. Um, it might not be. I don't know. But I've taught this to a lot of people. I taught to a lot of teenagers when I was a youth pastor. I used to teach this uh, every year, and I've taught this to many people, and it 
in general, people seem to get it. Seems to work okay. So um, exegesis, if you'll just turn the page, uh, you'll notice there's, we'll talk about what exegesis is in a minute, but you need to choose, you choose your text and follow these things when you do this passage. So just, this is pretty self-explanatory, but um, there's a lot of information in here, etc. That's just my one, my one caution is for you to just make sure you don't jump ahead. All right. Anything else before we jump into uh, first lecture of the day? You guys are quiet. It's been a long day. I see a lot of sleepy eyes. Okay. Let's talk about uh, Unit 1, Philosophy of Preaching and Study. Kind of getting a philosophy big picture about, about this. Uh, you'll, you'll notice uh, that's your tab number probably 2. Tab 3. Tab 3. Tab 3. Um, the Scottish preacher James Stewart said that the aims of all genuine preaching are to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. In other words, God is the goal of preaching. God is the ground of preaching. And all the means in between are given by the Spirit of God. That's from John Piper's book, The Supremacy of God and Preaching. And I found that to be a good way to start this class. When we're preaching, we're teaching, it all goes back to God. It's from the same book, page 26. The wonder of the gospel and the most freeing discovery this sinner has ever made is that God's deepest commitment to be glorified and my deepest longing to be satisfied are not in conflict, but in fact find simultaneous consummation in his display of and my delight in the glory of God. Therefore, the goal of preaching is the glory of God reflected in the glad submission of the human heart. Think about what he just said. The goal of preaching is the glory of God reflected in the glad submission of the human heart. When we submit to God in, in his, by his word, when his word is preached and we submit our hearts to him, God is glorified. And when you get to have a part in that as a servant of God, when you get to lift up God's word and people submit their hearts to God's word, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And the supremacy of God in preaching is secured by this fact. The one who satisfied gets the glory, satisfies gets the glory, and the one who gives the pleasure is the treasure. Number three from Brian Chappell's book, Christ Center Preaching, one of my all-time favorite books on preaching, and the book I considered assigning to you guys, but probably was just a little bit too heavy for this class. He says the following, In some ways, the entire process seems ridiculous. Common sense rebels against claims that, ex that eternal destinies will change simply because we voice thoughts from an ancient text. When Paul commends the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, he acknowledges the apparent senselessness of trying to transform attitudes, lifestyles, and philosophical, philosophical perspectives and faith commitments with mere words about a once crucified rabbi. See 1 Corinthians one twenty one. Yet preaching endures and the gospel spreads because the Holy Spirit uses puny human efforts as the conduit for the force of his own word. That's powerful stuff. Jeremiah 9, one of my favorite verses, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. All right, let's talk about study. So when we talk about philosophy, 
we have philosophies about things that can be done different ways. So there's philosophies behind writing. There's philosophies behind music. There's philosophies behind all kinds of art. And, and, and preaching is just as much an art and science. It's both. It involves a philosophy. So we talk about study even. We have a philosophy behind our study. The philosophy is the why. There's a couple blanks there. It's, it's the why and the what of studying the Bible. We're going to ask ourselves, when we study the Bible, what are we doing and why are we doing it? And, and why do we try to do it the way we do it? Um, Bible study is the prerequisite for Bible preaching and teaching because you cannot explain what you do not understand. Right? You ever seen a movie? You didn't get it? And you try to tell somebody, well, it's about this guy and this thing. And then, I don't know, a woman shows up. And you know what I'm talking about? And my kids are going to come and sit in the back. You guys want to come get chairs? No? Hang on one second. I forgot to set them up chairs. You want to grab that? Thank you, Pat. Thank you to Eric. Hey, Nelson, you better listen up to the test. That's right. Here we go. Thank you. You want to grab that and just put it back there for him? Thank you. Hey, I can watch it. No, all right. They're, they're fine. They're going to learn. So. If you need to, just send them over here. I'm over here. Okay. Nelson, sit in a chair, bud. I get, we got you guys chairs. All right. Um, you cannot explain what you do not understand. So it's the same when it comes to the Bible. If you get up in the pulpit and you do not understand what you are, what you are trying to explain, it will become obvious to everyone that you do not understand it. I've been in that situation before where I didn't, or I was in over my, over my head or out over my skis, whatever you want to say, and, and was trying to explain something and realized mid-sentence, like, I, I really don't understand what I'm talking about. And that's a scary, scary thing to be. So we must have a developed philosophy of Bible study. Um, throughout history, people have studied with the Bible differently because their understanding of what the Bible is. Uh, people have different philosophies of what the Bible is. Some people think the Bible is merely man-made with no God component. So when you consider, if you consider the Bible, if you think of the Bible as only a man-made product, if you don't understand God's Holy Spirit's role in it, what's your tendency when you think about teaching and preaching the Bible? Your tendency is to exert authority over the Bible. Just say, well, that's not what they meant, or I don't like what they said here, or you disregard it. Just like you would reading the newspaper, you say, oh, this person doesn't know what they're talking about, whatever. Or if you're reading a, a, some sort of book or something and you, and you don't like it, you're like, I don't really care for their strategy here. You would never do that with the Bible. You submit, as, as Christians, as believers, we submit to the authority of the Bible. We don't just pick what we like about the Bible and throw the rest out. Um, there are other people who um, might think the Bible is uh, an obscure book filled with allegory. So you might approach the Bible, this person might have approached the Bible through an allegorical method. And we're going to talk about that later on, but we're going to be very, very wary of allegory. Do you know what allegory is? Who can explain what allegory is? So have you ever read? Yes, ma'am. Isn't it like symbolism, like something symbolizing something else? Yes, that, that's true. Yeah, very good. It's one thing symbolize something else, but it's more than that. It's that... It's that, uh, that real stories, that stories have uh, layers of meaning. So this actually does happen in literature. Uh, good literature has 
layers of meaning to it, and, and, and very often is allegorical. So Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory of the Christian life, and Pilgrim represents a Christian, and when the, the burden falls off his shoulders, it represents the sin that we feel falling off our shoulders when we come to the cross, right? I mean, there, there's, there's very, and he's very on the nose. Like he has, all the people's names are like despair. It was like despair. And he finds a literal key to get out of this, you know, it's like, it's very, very obvious. But it, it, there are some allegories that are not as obvious. So if you read The Fairy Queen or Robert Spencer, um, it's, it's very, very obscure kind of uh, stuff. But there's like four or five, six layers sometimes of meaning where he's talking about the English government and he's talking about the church and he's talking about scripture and he's talking about all these different things and they're kind of running parallel. So the Bible isn't like that. The Bible is clear. Uh, now, there are meaning things. There are things that there are significance and there are things that connect. So, uh, for example, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, we can kind of use this as a, as a platform to, to launch as you can see the differences here even early on, is that like, for example, the story of Noah, Noah and the ark. Um, as Noah builds an ark, God commands him to build an ark, and then those who are on the ark are, are saved, and those who are not on the ark are destroyed. And so what uh, a person who is an allegorical uh, preacher might say is, well, obviously that's the cross, because everyone who's in the cross is saved, and everybody who's not in the cross is, is damned. And so therefore you have this, uh, story of the cross. And there is some truth to that, that God saves through his way. And if you don't get on his way, then you're going to die. But Noah's Ark is also a story about a man who built a boat when there was a world was covered with water and he saved his family. And it's a story of human survival. It's more than just that. It, that's part of the story, but that's not the whole story. So it may be pointing to Christ, but it is not an allegory for Christ. Because you know what happens is if it's an allegory, then everything has meaning. So what is the dove? Obviously, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? What's the 40 days and 40 nights? The fasting. It's Jesus in the wilderness. Yeah. yeah. Right? Obviously. What is, um, what hap- why, why is it that, uh, uh, that when they come off, they're given uh, authority to eat animals and, uh, and human government and, and capital punishment is established? Well, the church, church has the authority of law. I mean, you, you, start, you start seeing things. You start being creative. You just start making stuff up, really, is what it comes down to. And to be very, very careful. So we're going to shy away from that. That's called eisegesis or putting things into the text. That's like reading into things rather than exegesis, which is drawing out of what the text is saying. Okay? So we want to be careful uh, about how we, how we preach and how we understand the Bible. So we understand that the Scripture is... Meaning is, is clear, generally meant to be understood through the plain words of the text. Um, we, I, I use the word normal interpretation. Well, again, this is stuff we will talk about as the semester goes on. But normal interpretation as opposed to um, allegorical. So here's some tips for the semester and general tips for doing Bible study. One, use one Bible the whole time. You can reference other translations, but make it your goal to use one copy of the Scripture. Uh, use colored pencils or pens when you study. Some of you might not want to write in your Bible. I was talking to somebody who had a big thing about writing their Bible recently. Like, never, ever, ever. And that's fine. But if that's the case, print it out on a piece of paper and, and, and write on it. You'll find it to be helpful. Check out as many cross-references as possible. And write in cross-references in your margin. Keep good notes. And use a good translation. I, I, I prefer use New King James, ESV, or New American Standard are my preferred translations. If you have the NLT or the Message or the NIV to some extent, I would suggest you get a more literal translation for your preaching and teaching.
Okay? So why do we study the Bible? Well, number one, we study the Bible so simply we can understand the text. I don't need to study, Pastor Marshall. I have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches me all things. Okay? The Holy Spirit, you know, does teach you all things, but He uses study <laughs> to teach you. Um, understanding is paramount. We can't communicate what we don't understand. Um, why do we have to study? Well, there's a distance between us and the original audience that makes it very possible to misunderstand what God has said. Have you ever misunderstood what somebody said to you before? All the time. All the time. You, you, especially if you're not from around here. Or you're married. Yeah, or you're married. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Being in a marriage teaches you a lot of things. If you live in the same house with someone roughly your same age and you have lived together for a long time and you still can misunderstand one another, can you imagine how easy it is to misunderstand what has been written from thousands of years ago? Let me give you an example. I don't know if this is in your... I need to follow along in your student book. Is 1 Corinthians 7 1 in there? No. Okay, yeah. I, I, didn't, I forgot how much I put in your, um, in your notes versus in my notes. One second. Let me just take a look here. Yeah, you cannot, the, the blanks are, you cannot um, communicate what you don't understand, obviously. Um, so, I had a, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 1, another King James says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Um, I had a friend in college who um, told me that, that it was wrong to hold, hold hands with a girl. And I said, why? And he said, because the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. I said, that's not what that's saying. Yes, it is. And he didn't understand that was a euphemism for marital relations. And he also did not understand that Paul was speaking about uh, concerning the things whereof you wrote to me. Therefore, quote, Paul is writing what, about what they wrote to him. This is not what Paul is saying. He's like, hey, you wrote me. You asked me this question. It is good for a man not to touch a woman, right? And he's like, actually, uh, no, in marriage it's proper and it's perfectly fine. And it's just inappropriate uh, in some, you know, outside of marriage. So some, sometimes the meaning is apparent. You read a good translation, and it will clear that stuff up for you. But other times the meaning is not immediately obvious. Let me tell you, sometimes you'll study a passage for a long time. You'll be like, I really don't understand exactly what is going on here. I don't get it. Um, and that doesn't mean that uh, something's wrong. Sometimes you have to still strive to understand the text. Sometimes there's information missing. Sometimes it's not possible for you to completely understand it. Um, but with study, we can be more certain about what the original author intended when he wrote the text. We can only be as dogmatic about meaning as we are certain about original meaning. So God did intend for this to be understood. Uh, study does not mean we'll always understand the text. God warns us that our study will not come to anything unless our hearts are receptive to truth. I mean, you think about the parable of the sower and the seeds, right? Seed scattered out, and there are different kinds of soils. And some people have a heart soil that is soft and ready to receive, and others are, are hard and stony. And some people listen, are excited, then they let it go. Uh, number two, we study so we may apply the text. Um, so there's a process here of study, which um, should lead to preaching. Lead to application. Um, so preaching is the, ends, is the purpose of study. 
and application is the purpose of preaching. Okay. I, I just don't... Now, this is what it ought to be. Because the thing is, with study, you can, get, you can study all kinds of things. We have some people who are really interested in, in um, prophecy. Uh, I've done a lot of study in prophecy myself. I have some people who give me um, voluminous materials on prophecy. And uh, there's one guy in particular who, uh, he actually doesn't come to church here, but we've had lots of correspondence. And he's always giving me stuff about prophecy. And that's interesting. That's fine. But, but honestly, I am not incredibly invested in that right now because I'm incredibly invested in Joshua. And then I'm going to be incredibly invested in First Peter. And, and because the reason is I'm very invested in this to study in order to preach. And I would say the same for you guys is that you study not just because it piques your curiosity, but rather because you want to see how it applies to your life. Okay. So... We don't study merely to gather information, but to apply the message to our Bibles. Um, number three, we study so we may be effective preachers and teachers. We want to be effective. Um, your effectiveness in preaching or teaching will be limited by your ability to understand and apply the Scriptures. And because God's words, not our words, change lives, the more closely we connect to the text, the more powerful and impactful our message may be. You will not be able to faithfully apply the scripture without understanding the demand God makes on your life. Also, our tools limit our effectiveness. I, I love to work around my house. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but I, I love to do it. And it's nothing worse than trying to do a job without having the right tool. Um, when you have the right tool, it makes all the difference in the world. And so one of the goals for this class is to equip you guys with tools so you can do the job and do it well. Uh, with the right tools, you can accomplish much more with less effort, therefore being more effective. So what is Bible study? Um, talk about philosophy of study. What is Bible study? What's unique about Bible study? Well, there's two sides to this. Number one, Bible study is spirit-enabled. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 12. Who can read these verses for us? 1 Corinthians 2. They should be. Are they in your notes? Okay, who wants to read that? Yes, Sherry. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Okay, do you see verse 10? God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. He has revealed them to us through the power of the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. The Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things. We have received this Spirit, so we can know what God is teaching us. So the Spirit's primary role is not only to reveal what the passage is saying, but also to speak application of the passage to our lives. Bible study is Spirit-enabled. Um, there are a lot of people who study the Bible, and I do a lot of reading broadly, and there are a lot of secular people, even a lot of Jews, 
who do a lot of study on the Bible, and they have some very interesting ideas, but where they lack is an application. They don't understand how it applies to their lives because they do not have the spirit teaching them. So Bible study is spirit-enabled. Bible study, secondly, is hard work. We should expect study to be hard. Study is hard work. Uh, in fact, we had the scripture memory verse for tonight. Uh, kids, what was your scripture memory verse for tonight? Um, Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, study. Come on, give us Did you do that one? Deuteronomy 6.6. 6. Good job, Hallie. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? And these words... I command you uh, today to fifteen be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Um, a word who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word. Okay, so that's the verse, Second Timothy two fifteen. I was shooting for there. Good job, girls. Thank you very much, and thank you, Nelson. Be diligent. Study. It is a it is a process of hard work. It's not something that just happens. You don't get to just open your Bible and immediately understand everything on the surface. Now, it's clear, but it does take work, and we should study. And if, if Paul is encouraging Timothy to study, we should know that we have to study, too. There's nothing wrong with that. And um, I'll just leave it at that. You'll need to dig. You'll need to plow. So uh, we have the philosophy of study. What about our philosophy of preaching? Uh, I want you guys to, to, in fact, before we do that, let me show you a Bible verse. Take your Bible, turn to Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 12. I want to ask you about this verse. We just have four minutes left, so I'm not going to get into philosophy preaching today. I'm just going to wait on that. I'll ask you about this verse. I want you to tell me what it means and then what the application is for it, Okay. Proverbs 12, 27. Who can read that? A lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. A diligence is man's precious possession. Okay. How would you apply that verse? Let's stop. Let's back up. What's it saying on the surface? What's the picture? Between two, one who's lazy and one who's diligent. What's the diligent person doing that demonstrates his diligence? Nothing. No, he's doing something. The uh, oh, the, I'm sorry, the lazy man. What's the lazy man doing that demonstrates he's not diligent? I'm sorry, thank you. You were right. Yeah. He's not roasting the food. He's not even cooking his food. He's not even cooking his food. So he's he has caught something. He's he's hunted something. He's caught it. He's killed it. And then what does he do? He's not using what he has. Okay. He has something that he's not he using for what it's. He's not using something what it's for. Right. So he gets. He goes through the work of getting something. Like he actually hunted something. That's hard work. But he, but he doesn't follow through. So he has the fun part over. But now he has to gut the thing and he has to do all the messy stuff. And he's like, ah, I don't know if I want to go through all that. It's kind of a lot of work. And so he lets it rot. Okay, and then, so, so what were you saying? I'm sorry, you were, you were saying something just now. Oh, I just said it. he let it go to waste. He let it go to waste. Yeah. So how would you apply that? Does this only apply to hunters? No. Use your opportunities. Okay. I mean, you gotta, you got to see something to the end. Use your opportunities. you got to see something to the end. What kind of opportunities? Let's be a little more specific. What kind of opportunities... Could you think of this verse really kind of 
giving you motivation to obey God in something or maybe as a helper to a friend who is struggling in an area? Give me a scenario. Well, even at work, it's like, you know, don't do something half-baked. There you go. All the way through. You know, you Finish the job. The job that you can do, not just halfway there. Very good. So that could also be said with, like, ministry or, like, serving the Lord. Okay. In what way? Um, like, if you're teaching children's church or something, you know, you could... Yeah. Yeah. You could easily just let it go, kind of yeah. wayside. Who's going to know, right? I mean, yeah. they're kids. They don't care. Yeah. You know, on Sunday morning, I don't want you to speak for five minutes and leave us there. And then just say, I got somewhere to go. I'm leaving. I yeah. mean, let's read the rest of the passage and break it down for us. That's yeah. what we came for. It's <laughs> God's Word. Yeah. So, so here, here think, about, think about this. What about this class? Okay. You have an opportunity to work on something. And to, 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 um, you're going to catch some meat. And so you have the opportunity. Are you going to roast it? Are you going to spend the time to really benefit? What about the books you're reading? Okay. When you read your Bible, when you come to church on Sunday and you take notes, what do you do with those notes? Do you just like, I mean, maybe, I mean, I keep a lot of my notes, but, um, maybe that isn't the way you like to process things, but like, do you ever take them out again and look? Or is it like you did the killing, you're not going to even roast the animal. You're not going to apply it. You're not going to do the work to actually benefit. You're just going to like, you're going to have it. You're like, well, I did that. You know, I went to church. I heard my message or I read my book. But you're not going to be able to actually benefit from it. So, so that, it takes a little bit extra work. There's that extra level of work, the extra diligence that I'm challenging you guys to that you can actually apply a passage like this to all kinds of things. You can say, when you read a book on spiritual growth, take notes. This is why I write in my books, because I know that writing in my books means I can go back later. I can flip through it and I can be reminded, oh, what was that thing? I can go and find it. And I've caught something and I've roasted it. I actually think about this verse all the time when I'm studying and when I'm working on things. I'm like, I've got to be able to collect information, but not just collect it, but sort it and have a way of keeping it so that I can grow in Christ personally, and not just let things in one ear out the other. So yes, it's about diligence. Yes, it's about um, doing things the whole way. But I think also it could apply to even a class like this. Like, think about what you're taking and hunting. What does it mean to roast it? What does it mean to really do the job so that you actually can look back and say, man, I really benefited. You know, I didn't just let that go to waste. All right. That's a good way to end. Um, come back next week. Read the stuff I give you. And um, looking forward to class. Thank you, guys. If you have any questions or anything, you can come up and talk. But I think I have you all signed up. So thank you.